and and this scene in particular really impact me um this double sunset with two stars different colors uh, that was pretty cool so i i thought wow that's very kind of science fiction but turned out maybe not that much have you ever wondered what it's like to discover a brand new world in the last three decades we've found over 5,000 planets outside our solar system called exoplanets i'm dr jesse christensen the lead scientist at the nasa exoplanet archive this is explore exoplanets the discoverers a series where I interview the brilliant minds behind the discovery of brand new planets. So welcome back, Etienne. Hello. We just established that your favorite fictional planet is Tatooine. Um, so famously from Star Wars from the 70s, decades before we'd found any real planets around real stars, uh, there was Tatooine. There was this famous scene of Luke Skywalker standing in the sunset, but instead of one star setting, there's two stars setting. Uh, the two stars that are the host stars of Tatooine are called Tattoo One and Tattoo Two, which is very interesting. Uh, <laughs> And in particular, a really interesting part of this visual, if you can picture it, is that one of the stars is a yellow star and one of the stars is a red star. So this is already really interesting, right? Like George Lucas is making this decision. There's going to be two stars. One's going to be yellow. One's going to be red. We'll come back to that. Uh, what else do we know about Tatooine? Uh, it's a desert planet. Uh, it's, it's very, very hot and there's very little water, hence the moisture farms. Uh, and there's three moons. It has three moons. Tatooine and its two stars, Tattoo One and Tattoo Two, are in the outer rim of this distant galaxy far, far away. Uh, and I think that's basically all we know about Tatooine. So, Etienne, tell us why Tatooine is your favorite. Yes, so actually it's, um, it's because uh, kind of this scene, uh, as you say, as a sunset, I, because when I watched it, I was pretty young. I think I was seven or eight. Mm -hmm. And it kind of impact me. I said, wow, that's so cool. There's two stars, sunset, etc." And it's, it's, it's because at this age, uh, I, I didn't go much often in, in, in cinema. And this time it was my brother who bring me actually with him and said, oh, we're going to see that. And I, I remember all of, of the process to going to cinema, etc. And, and this scene in particular really impact me. Um, this double sunset with two stars, different colors. Uh, that was pretty cool. So I, I thought, wow, that's very kind of science fiction, but turned out maybe not that much. In the mm. end. Do you do you thank your brother now for being a NASA planet hunter because he took you to Star Wars when you were seven years well, old? I don't, I don't say it's only my brother. I just say that this time <laughs> that was that was him who bring me to cinema. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, well, he did a good thing. That is a famous scene for many people. And I think I think one of the reasons it really grabs people is because it's such a fantasy scene, right? Like you've seen alien planets before in movies before Star Wars, but this just sitting on this sunset of the two suns and it just being so alien uh, is, is really, really interesting. Yeah. So we checked the NASA Exoplanet Archive and we found our carbon copy for this week is the wow. Kepler-38 system. Okay. <gasps> Uh, Kepler-38 uh, was found by the Kepler mission, uh, which was launched in 2009. Uh, it was a NASA mission, one meter telescope in space that observed for four years. The system, Kepler-38, uh, was published in 2012. 
Um, it was found by the transit method, uh, which if you've been following Explore Exoplanets, you've heard about already, but it, is, it relies on a planet passing in front of the star and blocking some of the light. In this case, what we had were two stars orbiting each other. So we could see dips in the light curve because of the two stars orbiting each other. We call it an eclipsing binary because the two stars are eclipsing each other. And then very occasionally, there was another quite shallow dip that would happen. And in fact, the, the planet that we found, Kepler-38b, passes in front of both stars. So the two stars eclipse each other, and then the planet is in the same plane as those two stars and eclipses both stars. Um, so we actually get the relative sizes of all three bodies in this system, the two stars and the planet. Uh, so that was published in 2012. Uh, so one planet, two stars, just like Tatooine. Uh, the other reason I grabbed Kepler-38 specifically is because the two stars are a yellow star and a red star. It's a G star like our sun and an M dwarf, which is a small, cool red star. Um, so as you mentioned with microlensing, a lot of the stars were sensitive to microlensing events around are M stars. And most of the stars in the galaxy are actually M stars. Um, so I just love this idea that, you know, 40, 50 years ago when George Lucas was imagining this scene, uh, we hadn't even found planets around real stars yet, let alone planets around binary stars. And he's imagining a planet around a yellow star and a red star. And we have systems like Kepler-38 with a yellow star and a red star. Uh, so that's just really, I love that idea. Yeah, that's, uh, uh, that's quite impressive, actually. Uh, how, how good he, make, he, he made that. Uh, yeah, it was an amazing prediction. Uh, so Kepler-38b, I will say the planet is a bit bigger than, than Tatooine. So Tatooine is shown in Star Wars as a rocky planet. Yeah. Uh, rocky planets are hard to find. They're quite small. Um, although microlensing is one of the few techniques that's actually sensitive to, to rocky planets. Uh, so Kepler-38b is more Neptune-sized, uh, but it is hot. It's probably about 200 degrees hotter than the Earth. So, you know, probably no one's very comfortable there uh, except the Jawas. <laughs> Okay, folks, so there you have it. Today's carbon copy is the Kepler-38b system, which is very, very similar to Tatooine in a lot of ways and very dissimilar in other ways. <laughs> so let's get back to Etienne. Uh, are you looking for more planets? Tell us what you're doing now. Yes, so um, actually um, I joined IPAC. Uh, at, at IPAC, I joined the uh, microensing uh, Roman team, which is a, uh, a team of... Uh, of scientists and software engineers that start to uh, write the, the, the software that's going to be used by the Roman microlensing mission. Uh, so Roman is uh, is a big um, is a next big uh, NASA mission that will be launched in 2027 and has uh, uh, several uh, main uh, scientific topics. And one of them is actually to do a, a microlensing survey towards the galactic center and uh, to um, to detect uh, planet via microlensing. Um, so the goal is to uh, to obtain a, a, a massive catalog of uh, planets that are actually very complementary to what uh, Kepler and other methods are found because uh, transit and radial velocity are methods that are very sensitive to planets that orbit quite close to their host, while microlensing we are more sensitive to planets more distant. So to put that on the solar system scale, uh, let's say uh, uh, transit and radial velocity are more sensitive to uh, um, to planet in the orbit of, uh, of Venus uh, inside Venus. Let's put it like this. Mm -hmm. While microlensing, we are more sensitive to Jupiter or Neptune orbit orbit like. So after the completion yeah, of this. A 
There's a really oh. good graphic that shows um, where Kepler found planets and where Roman is supposed to find planets. And you can see that the, the two populations are, are complementary, but they overlap really interestingly right near mm. Earth, which is, you know, one of the numbers we really care about. How common are Earth-like planets? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, so this team, we, we are building the software to, to be able to, um, to start from the, the image coming from the telescope to actually uh, um, you know, obtain the details about uh, all of these planets. So we expect to find about uh, more than 1,000 planets. So we're going to need tools to reduce data, basically. So this is uh, yes. my main project right now at IPAC. Uh, before we let you go, is there a fictional planet you'd really love to find? Well, I would say um, nature is always very um, exotic and also mm -hmm. often have very nice surprise that nobody can predict. So I would prefer <laughs> to find something very unique. Uh, uh, I see. You want to be that, surprised. <laughs> yeah, that nobody thought before. Fantastic. Oh, yes. Nature has much more imagination than we do. Uh, it's been super interesting, you know, looking back at all of the different kinds of planets that have been predicted by science fiction and fantasy and how many of them have turned out to have real world counterparts. Yeah, nature thought of that. Nature did that. That's cool. Actually, with microinsing, we are sensitive to what we call uh, free floating planets. So there are planets that traveling alone in the, in the Milky Way, so without host. And we already found a couple of them. So that's a good example, I guess. Awesome. Okay, it's time to answer some questions from the audience. Uh, I pulled this one this week specifically because Etienne is here and I knew that he was going to talk about white dwarfs. So one question we got was, can observing planets around other stars tell us about our own solar system's future? So Etienne, what do you think about that? Um, yes, it's actually a very good and, uh, and deep question because um, before we knew any planets, the, the, the formation theory were based only on the solar system. So we thought, okay, um, so planets should form like this, like this. And then we start to find new planets that were really out of totally different than the solar system. And we say, oh, okay, so our models does not predict that at all. And so to find this kind of, uh, of systems forces to, uh, to, to rethink of our model of formation and refine the, 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 Actually, there is a lot of physics behind these models, which are very complicated. But for example, for the end of life um, of planets, um, it's um, it's good to observe system like MOA 477, for example. Finding this kind of planet shows that actually some planetary system can survive the, the death of their star. And so that can maybe help us to understand what's going to happen to the solar system when, you know, uh, the, the sun is going to become a red giant and before explosion, for example, does, it's very unlikely the Earth would survive that, but maybe Jupiter, um, maybe, maybe Saturn also, we don't know. So we need to observe more of this, uh, of this exotic systems to understand the future of the solar system, I would say. Yeah, I think up until 10 years ago, we didn't know whether planets could survive their stars going red giant and becoming white dwarfs. And now we've seen lots of different kinds of planets and planetary remnants around yeah, white yeah. dwarfs. So we know we know something survives past this stage. So fingers yeah. crossed it's us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Etienne, and thank you, everyone, for joining us.
If you want more out of this world astronomy content, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, where you can send us your burning questions about exoplanets, real or fictional, and beyond for us to tackle in an upcoming episode. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.